the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This week, Dave spoke about Christ's imperative and our response. The main reading is Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. Um, Just a few weeks ago, we looked at our, our devotion, what we are actually given to, our great love, loyalty, enthusiastic zeal, and all those words, and we're just going to just skirt around that again and challenge our hearts. Um, I was reading this week, and, I, and I, it's amazing you read something, and you think, I've never seen it, like, we should have seen it like that. I just read it, and I just bought uh, Robbie's book on suffering. And he said, isn't it amazing that um, Adam and Eve uh, fell into sin, even though they were in perfect fellowship with the Lord, they were beholding his beauty and his beauty and the beauty of creation without any anything between. Even then, he said, they fell for doubt, denied the Lord and disobeyed. He said, so we've got to be very careful. You know, uh, if they did that with, with perfect fellowship, wouldn't it? You think of it. It was, you know, kind of the, that's why we need to be really observant with our hearts and observant with each other. And sometimes we forget that. And I, and I remember telling you back in uh, January when um, uh, I just picked this up from, from the internet about John Wesley, because John Wesley, um, he, he was, I suppose, how, we, how the Methodist Church really flew, was he, he set up class systems, didn't he? Dozen, 15. And uh, they would be uh, meeting together, obviously not just the Sunday, but this was in the week. They would meet each other, but they would challenge each other. It would really be rewrite because you know when we talk about uh, devotion, when we talk about being devoted to the Lord first, don't we? That's our simple devoted to each other. See, when we devoted to each other, we can look into each other's eyes and say, look, "This is what they used to ask each other: What known sins have you committed since our last meeting?" Ooh, yeah. Uh, then they say, "Which what temptations have you met with? How were you delivered?" What have, you, what have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it be sin or not? Mm. See, that just opens up real just honesty, doesn't it? Where we can say, Lord, you know, you, look, I need help. I, I just need something. And uh, that takes a little bit of getting used to it, getting to a place. But see, when we're devoted to one another, we can be honest and open with one another, can't we? Say, look, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I messed up this week. I need something from the Lord. I need you to pray for me. And, you know, and just... Oh, open and honest. What, are you, what does the Bible say? Confess your sins one to another. I, be careful what you say, I suppose, in some instances. But there's an openness and honesty. But when we're devoted to one another, because we're devoted to his work and devoted ultimately to fellowship. See, they, they denied the Lord and what God wants more than anything else is fellowship. They, they chose their own way. They chose to deny God, be their own gods. And in the process, they were cut off from the presence of God. And I thought, that's really interesting. You know, so it doesn't matter how close you are with the Lord, you've got to keep your eyes on him at all times. Because if they could do that in the garden with perfect fellowship, we've got to be very careful, haven't we? Um, so let's look at our Lord again. His, his, uh, I suppose, I, I, I titled this Christ Imperative, but uh, again, we don't want to get too bogged down in grammar because I, I, I'm using the word I must. I must do this, which I've been... I've been uh, Officially told is actually not a that's not an imperative verb, but we won't go there. But I'm using it as an imperative, which means something that is essential, something he had to do, something that he would not go away from. Remember last time we said what he, I feel, I think, I want, I need, I must overrides all of those, 
over his feelings, over his thinking, over, over his, you know, good thoughts, if you like. I must, I must. That, that which was necessary, that which was total insistent on his heart. And when we look at Jesus and we see his, um, his imperative, when we, it challenges our hearts. Because we look at what, what is, what's your musts, you must do. Let's look at our first one where Jesus, we touched on this last time, when he was a young little boy. Um, just coming to Bar Mitzvah, and he knew. Age of understanding, he knew. He knew who he was and why he was here. Uh, Luke 2, 48-50. So it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They were, I must, even as a young lad, he had, a, 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 as we said last time, a laser focus. It was, it was his purpose, his mission, was to do the Father's will, to do the Father. And you see, ours is not any different, is it? Ours is to please the Father, is to have fellowship with the Father and to bring, uh, be about the Father's business, be about the Father's work. And of course, it was, it was obviously multifarious, a lot of things he had to do and, and be. Here's another one he said he had to do. Luke 4. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him. And he tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogue of Galilee. So his, his, his purpose, okay, father's business, and again that was multifaceted, the one day I must preach, I must tell them about the kingdom of God, I must tell them, this is the way. Uh, the first, first, pre first sermon was what? Repent. Follow me. And then when he left, what was his last words? Now go and tell them the gospel. He was, to must preach, he must be a herald of the good news. Uh, they wanted to keep him, but he said, no, I must be about the Father's business, I must tell people. More than that, he was to be truth itself. John 18, 36, 38. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, to this end was I was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and said, saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Yeah. Pilate, the one who could distort and find fault in anybody or make it up, of course, uh, if he had to, so I can find no fault in him. Now, truth to him was anything he wanted it to be or anything he needed it to be, of course. 
But with Jesus, truth is truth. It is real, it is transparent, it's total honesty. Of course, ultimately, Jesus said, I am <coughs> truth. I always remember um, listening to uh, Josh McDowell, his son, got a late teens, and uh, he said, Dad, I'm not sure about this. And uh, um, he said, well, son, don't worry about it. He said, search, search, look for truth. He said, because he, he said, I'm not afraid, because if you're looking for real truth, you will always come back to Christ. You will always come back to him because he is truth. Uh, if you're really searching, mind, that's the next thing, isn't it? Because we can, we can say I'm looking for truth, but actually we're looking for truth as, as Pilate. What is truth? Truth that agrees with me. Truth that's going to actually tell me what I want to know. But no, no, if you really look and search for truth, you'll always come back. Jesus said, I've come to bear witness to the truth. That's why we always look to him. That's why he says keep our eyes on him. So it keeps us true as well. It keeps us open and honest. Um, of course, ultimately, his purpose was what? Uh, John 4, 1 to 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now again, it says he needed to go, but I love the uh, King James Version because if you read it there, it said he must needs. It's quite a lovely old term, he must needs go through Samaria. Now he shouldn't have gone through Samaria because the, the, the usual route was actually to skirt around Samaria because they didn't want anything to do with Samaritans because they were they both disliked each other and, and they were half-breeds. The Jews called the Samaritans half-breeds because that's where they were. And so, But Jesus said, I must go through because he had an appointment. He had an appointment with a woman uh, who he was going to meet and reach and, and see. See, Jesus' heart ultimately was to seek and save the lost. He was, he was going through. He must. He said, I've got to go through this way. And they must have thought, well, I'm not sure, gee, I don't know why we're going this way. And then they were really more shocked. They went to get food, remember? They came back and he was talking to this woman. And that really shocked him. And then he's telling about the, the we'll read in a minute about the food. Uh, the fields are white in the harvest. Look, keep your eyes open. Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 1 6. <clears throat> Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacharias. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacharias, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. See, Jesus seeking, but listen to his word, I must come to your house today. And that word house is an interesting word. It doesn't just mean his house, it means his whole estate. Jesus was looking to actually envelop, abide, lovely word again, he uses the word abide, abide, rest, in his whole life. Uh, not compartments, not little bits, oh Lord, I need you in this area, but I'm okay in that area. That's where we are today, isn't it? We, we are, we are uh, you know, compartmentalized our life. No, Jesus said, I want to come right through his whole life. And thankfully, uh, thankfully, the people he ripped off, they were thankful after, weren't they? Not at the time, even they, even the crowd said, what are you doing going with him? And the Bible said they turned away, they in disgust that he was going with this man. 
when Jesus touched him, when he came actually, when he, Zacchaeus allowed him in, change, absolute transformation. He must, I must come in, I must come in, and he must do the work until he completes it. John 9, 3 to 5. Neither this man nor his parents sinned for Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We must, he said, while I'm here, I must. See, that something had grabbed a hold of his mission. His imperative was to do the work of the Father. You see, he only had a short time on the earth. So have we, may I add? We've got a short time on this earth to do the will of the Father. And he said, I must do the works of him. Um, and it's very interesting, that little story there, isn't it? They, of course, in, in their thinking, the Jewish thinking, if someone was ill or someone was uh, had an ailment, someone had sinned. Well, of course, we know that, that, that is possible. But, uh, he said, not in this case, he said. He said, no, this is for the glory of God to come through and be revealed and exalted. Um, that's why we must be about God's work, seeing the needs. Open our eyes, Lord, to see those around us, to see that, Lord, we have the answers. We have the touch of God on us to touch them. Um, John 4, 31 to 34. While the woman was away, the followers were, be, were begging him, teacher, eat something. But Jesus answered, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the followers asked themselves, Has somebody already brought Jesus some food? Jesus said, My food is to do what the one who sent me wants me to do. My food is to finish the work that he gave me to do. See, his, his very nourishment was to do the will of the Father. That actually, in a sense, fed him to do what the Lord wanted. And there's nothing like doing the will of God, knowing the will of God and doing it. Um, to drift from that is to, is to find your own yeah. way through then, is to leave yourself empty and, and to f- try and fulfill a purpose that you're not actually created for. Lord, help me to walk in the will of God. Even, even that my food is to do the will of the Father. But of course, ultimately, all those things were at the Father's mission, but his ultimate mission. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. See, he, again, he, I must. This is what I've got to do. He said, you know, again, changing their thinking. Just before that, Peter, as we talked the other day, Peter said, Christ, the Son of the living God. He saw who he was, but he couldn't see why he came, because Jesus then says that, you know what, I've come, but not to set up a kingdom, but to die for the souls just so the kingdom of God can be actually in you, in your Lord's way, will, and purposes in our lives. That's what He came for. And of course, Peter said, "You are you joking, Lord? Don't you never, you never going to do that? Not a word, not a word from you." He said, "You're going to say." And of course, the Lord um, is always 
clear, wasn't he? Looked him in the eye and uh, said, get behind me, Satan. Um, it's a strong old thing, isn't it? Um, but you know what? The, Satan can use any one of us sometimes with our flippant, uh, our words and our flippant ideas and our worldly ideas sometimes because we're all prone to that and we're all prone to think like the world because we, we are pressed in with the world. He's always filtering in thoughts and, and sometimes, you remember the world's thoughts are not necessarily, they, they're sometimes good ideas. I remember that now. They, they've got good ideas. It don't mean it's the right thing. Some, some, some of us can get sidetracked by good ideas instead of, some, as we said before, God ideas. So there, and of course, John 3, we looked at this the other day, the centerpiece of the gospel. John 3, 13 to 14. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So I, he must. There is no other option, there's no other way. See, that's why the Bible says this is a narrow road. The, the picture is through a narrow gorge with, with mountains either side. There's only one way. There's only one way through. Of course, it broadens up to glory, doesn't it? But there's only one way. Enter through the narrow way. And then Jesus said, there's only one way. I've got to be lifted up. They understood exactly what it meant because they understood Jewish history. <coughs> the snake lifted up in, in the dead. And it was only when they looked and lived, looked, trusted, believed, that they look and live, that song we used to sing. Um, so he must, he must. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrews 12, keep your eyes on Jesus. The author and finish of our faith. He said they were just about to give up, wouldn't they? That, the Hebrew church, they were giving up, they've had enough. They were going to go back to Judaism because that was a protected religion. It, it, where they were at the moment, they were getting persecuted. They were having this, that, and the other taken off them. Maybe lost jobs, their children were being made fun of, and all the kind of things that we think of. And they said, we're going back. He said, no, no, no. Keep your eyes on him. Oh, for the joy set before me, endured the shame. Scorn and shame, endured the, the ridicule. He said, You've not, wait a minute now. He said, you haven't even resisted the blood yet. He's going quite straight with them, isn't he? You've just had a bit of persecution. You haven't given your life yet. So keep your eyes on him. Must, he must. Well, of course, then Jesus tells us quite a few things. We must, we must. No other way. Um, John 3, um, 5 to 8, this one. Yeah. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is of the flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. For as the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell from whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the spirit. See, when you, um, this is the key verse, isn't it, for, for any man, you must be born again. There is no, you know, you, you can be born again. Possible. No, no, you must. There is no other way to get into the kingdom or to see the kingdom but to be born again. And great verse, this for uh, JWs, although I noticed they've twisted themselves. Now even they said, oh, yeah, yeah. But then you, you, you really pin them down to be, well, what do you mean by being born again? Because the Bible tells us very clearly what being born again is. Romans 8, Galatians 4, the Holy Spirit comes into my spirit, re regenerates my dead spirit, comes in comes in. Romans 8 said, unless I have the Spirit of Christ in me, I'm none of him. 
They, can, they, they can't read that, you see, because they're, 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 in their thinking, there's only 144,000 that can actually be really born again. Well, the Bible is very clear, isn't it? He says it. You must be born again. You can't even see the kingdom. So there's our first must. We've got to have an encounter with the Lord. He's, got, he's, the, he's the one who takes initiative, but we receive. And when he does, we are forgiven, born again. Now I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm, and and uh, 1 John said, you'll know it. He uses that word know, depending on which version you read, maybe nearly 39 times. He said, I want you to know. I want you to know. His spirit testifies with my spirit, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. See, it is more than knowledge, more than actually knowing what the word said. Is his spirit testifying with my spirit. Lord, and when I say Abba, Father, I know. I know. Um, so there's our first must. Must be born. Well, of course, the qualifications, the characteristics of disciples. What are they? Um, Luke 9, 21, 25. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man, for what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Qualifications, disciple, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And that's a great challenge, isn't it? Because there's a lot of things I fancy doing, I want to do. This is all on the altar, day by day. That's why we keep our eyes on him, keep our heart on him. Why? Because we must deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow me. Otherwise, we will veer off. We'll be like Adam and Eve, one day in perfect fellowship, the next minute being diverted and going the, the wrong direction. Or, or, or the, that he loves to let us drift, doesn't he, the devil? You know, sometimes we can see something that is plain before our eyes, something that's, you know, a real temptation. But other times, he don't mind us drifting. He don't mind taking us off course a little bit. Because he knows a little bit off course, as we said before. Remember the one, uh, I can't remember, 116 of the uh, pilot? Uh, he's got to check himself. Because after a long journey, even just one degree off course, he's miles from his destination. And uh, that's why we keep our hearts right. Must you know, pick up our cross and follow me. Lovely, lovely words from John the Baptist. Uh, John 3, 29, 30. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my day. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. See, the problem, we are born again. We are, we, are, we are living for him. We're keeping our eyes on him. But there's a process, isn't it? He must increase. He must grow. That's the fruit of the Spirit, of course. He must grow, and we must decrease. And I love the Lord because he always puts things across our path to, to make us realize, Lord, I'm blessed with the poor in spirit. Keep us poor in spirit. Keep us with our eyes clear. Um, something happened just to me about a few weeks ago. I had, I had something come through on email, and uh, just uh, it was innocuous, really, I suppose. But it, it, it 
the old flesh rose up. Me, I'm thinking, well, what about that? And, and I just go the Holy Spirit whispers in here. Still a bit of work to be done, David. No. Yes, very true, very true. And, and the Lord does that, you see, because, you know, why? Because there's, there's line upon line, precept upon is I, I'm to die daily, isn't it? I, know, I no longer live, Paul said, but Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. And that's the process. In, in, in a sense, it's done at, at, at Calvary. We, we appropriate when we get saved and baptized in water, of course. But then there's that process, isn't it? That's why he says in, uh, in, in Romans 6, 7, 8, reckon yourself dead to sin. That's a, an accountant, a mathematical term where we actually say, Lord, I'm dying. I'm dead to me. When I'm rising up, when I want my way, when I'm just about to say something, I shouldn't say, Lord, help me. Why? Because I'm decreasing. He's increasing. He's having more, more, more. So there's our must. How about this one? We might not like this one, but this is, the, this is what Jesus said. Mark 9, 33, 37. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? And they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. <laughs> and he sat down and called the twelve and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all. And servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken them in his arms, he said unto them, Whoever, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Whoever wants to be first, listen, must. Be the servant of all. We can see it. We can see it, can we? The, the young men, the young men, and they're arguing who's the best, of course, as young men are so often do. And uh, Jesus could hear this, and I, I love Jesus because he could have got stuck into him, but he says, Sit there. What are you talking about there, boys? What are you, just, what are you talking about there? And uh, he knew what they were talking about. And of course, they, yeah. I don't know where they were a little bit, because um, he'd already told them about being servants and about, um, uh, they didn't learn because even after they washed, he washed their feet, they were still arguing who was, who was going to be still around. And Jesus said, you know, if you want to be first, you must be the servant of all. Now we see that goes contrary to our thinking, contrary to the world's thinking, contrary to what the world says, isn't it? Because we're in a different kingdom, remember that? We're in a different, uh, under different rule. Under a different will, a servant of all. And uh, I always remember the story, I might have said it before, probably have, about that um, minister who, who came from America to work in the Salvation Army. Um, and uh, he was quite a well known minister and quite, you know, uh, talented is the wrong word, but gifted, let's say gifted. And um, he came and uh, Booth got him <coughs> polishing the shoes of the people they had in, in the shelters. This went on for quite a while. And uh, he was getting a bit, oh dear, I, I've come all the way from America with all this gift in mind. I'm a great minister and he's got me polishing shoes. He said, I had enough of this. I've had enough of this. And he was just about to rise up and uh, the Lord uh, gave him that lovely scripture. Jesus got, took his outer garment off, began to wash their feet. And uh, he said, Lord, if you can wash feet, I can clean shoes. See, changing our thinking. Why? Because he, he, you know, his gifting could take him so far. And that's our problem sometimes. We've got to, even with our gift in our ministry, we've got to put it before the Lord. I remember 
Trevor Samson saying many, many years ago, he was great, he's a great musician. But the Lord said, Trevor, I want you to give that up. He said, what do you mean give it up? He said, I want you to lay it down. What am I going to do? Don't worry about that. Lay it down for me. And he said, he said Lord, okay, here I am. Here it is. Here's, you know, this is my ministry, but I'll, I'll lay it down for you. Of course, like Abraham, isn't it? And Isaac, got to be on the altar to be fully used in great purpose, laid on the altar. Because you know what? It isn't about my gifting. It isn't about me. Because God can give me any gift that he wants at any time, can't he? Character, on the other hand, is a different kettle of fish. And uh, so, of course, God, God has used him um, mightily since. Um, but that was his first protocol, laying it on the altar. I must be the servant of all. And our last one, um, you'll find more, but this is our last one. Now, John 4, 23, 24. Yet the time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the other kind of worship that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. What must worship in spirit and in truth? Spirit, of course, that is the only way you can do that is when you're born again. In spirit, but also in truth, in transparency, in honesty, in openness. Because, you know, we can, yeah, I, yeah, we've all done it, haven't we? We've certainly seen people who have been worshipping the Lord, love the Lord. And, uh, you know, <laughs> their hearts and lives are nowhere near. But although, let me just say, if they do that, I think the Lord can really put their finger on their mind. Um, uh, but it is spirit and truth. Spirit and must worship in spirit and truth. So our hearts tonight, again, because we keep our eyes on the Lord, we understand his commitment to us, his, uh, we call it his imperatives toward us. It keeps us close to him. It keeps our hearts right, doesn't it? Because he's committed to you and uh, and deserved. Even, even Adam, when we think of Adam and Eve, all oh, the blessing, but God was committed to them because he was the one who chased them. He was the one who pursued them. And he's, he's the same to us, isn't he? And that's why we must keep our hearts uh, close, right? I've just, that verse came, uh, I was thinking about this, um, 1 John, the, the epistle of 1 John, and John is really, it's a general letter, maybe not to anyone specific, but he, he's trying to uh, watch false teachers, of course, false teachers have come in, and he's, he's saying, no, careful, he said, they, they were, it was called Gnosticism, which, we don't have to go into that, but it was false teaching, he was saying, look, you need to keep the Lord, you need to recognise who Jesus is, you need to watch your life, you need to love each other because he's pretty straight in that book, isn't he? Don't tell me you love God and you hate your brother. He's, he didn't. He said you're a liar. Oh, okay, John. Okay, right. Say it as it is. But this last particular verse, John, one John five twenty one, which really struck me. Little children, keep yourself from idols, from that which would take you away, from that which takes the very center of your heart. And of course, in the Old Testament, an idol was something graven, something you could see. In the New Testament, it's something you imagine. It starts with a thought, an idea, a fancy, a phantom. Don't they all? And it's amazing what we can think, isn't it? Do you? I mean, and a thought can take us down the route and take us far from the Lord. He said, watch, keep yourself from idols. That which it takes God's place. Get it from there. Because there's many things, as, and we must be careful with each other and challenge each other sometimes we don't sometimes want that but if we are devoted to one another and I say how are you doing 
You know, it's not because I'm, I'm devoted to you. I'm, I'm, we're devoted. We're, we, we're family, aren't we? That's why the, the power of the church is a local church. Because we are devoted to that, which is the worldwide church, aren't we? But I'm looking at you tonight, and we're arm in arm because this is our local church. That's the power of the church. Local church in the local setting where we can be uh, for the Lord, committed to Him. He committed to us and us taking the gospel to those around. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.